Good morning, everybody. It's July 1st, 2022. I'm Charlie Fink here with Ted Shilowitz for This Week in XR. Um, first of all, we have a new sponsor this week, Zapper. So along with Verbella, they are helping to support this program uh, and really all of our assistants who make it happen. Um, finally, this week, we have a great guest, Ted. Quinn Tabor of Immerse, a language learning company that just launched on Quest. And uh, I, I'm really looking forward and very enthusiastic about this idea. Me too. This is going to be a really interesting interview because it is a true startup entrepreneur that's tapping into the use case of VR in really unique and yeah. valuable and, way. So I'm excited. And, to and Quinn's a very passionate guy, and, and I know you love that. Yeah. So let's get to the news. Sounds good. Not a good week for tech in general. Um, you know, the stock market downturn has hammered uh, the entire market, of course, but tech stocks in particular, which had, you know, made so much progress in 2021 uh, and uh, 2020 that, uh, you know, they had to be brought back to 2020 levels of sanity. And the question is, will the beatings go on? But companies are behaving uh, like they think they will and that the economy is going to slow down and uh, they're going to need to hoard cash. So yeah, you know it's funny when you when you started with that statement not a good week for tech I was kind of thinking through the lens of actually there have been some interesting um, things that are that are happening in tech some more money being raised you know little bits and pieces and stuff with Niantic that, that made some news and of course Apple continuing in the rumor mill to make news so I didn't know what you were referring to but certainly if we talk about through the lens of the Nasdaq Right. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they're they're you know Niantic uh, is laying off people. I don't know if that has to do both Niantic and Unity that laid off people have gone through a series of acquisitions, which yeah. usually are followed within six months by some kind of a rationalization where you get rid of redundant people. So that could be kind of what's going on, although it was accompanied by rumors of canceled projects. Uh, so although at the same time, they made an amazing announcement this week. About the or, NBA stuff? Yeah. yeah, a new project with the NBA. And let me just read this because it is such a rockin' idea. Uh, uh, senior producer Marcus Matthews uh, did a press presentation where he said, and I quote, places and objects in the real world will become video game items. The convenience store near you has become a location to pick up stamina for your NBA player. The sporting goods store around the corner is the place you pick up the latest brand name shoe to customize your players. And then I presume in the streets or on a tabletop or wherever you want, uh, you can play uh, against another player. Yeah, I mean, obviously leaning into a lot of the strengths of what made Pokemon Go successful, some, you know, simple game mechanics and an understanding. My my big open question, and I'm curious how, what you think about this is, will the audience for the Niantic style game map over into the demographic of the NBA fan? Uh, and that's a that's an open curiosity. There was a more obvious one of, yes, it seems like a lot of sense that the folks that play Pokemon to the well, right, there's an otaku thing around Pokemon. Well, the, uh, right, the, and there's also an otaku nostalgia thing for Pokemon. Yeah, but the but the but the angle I was sort of going after was you would think that it would make logical sense and that would be a very fairly strong demographic mapping between the folks that were into Pokemon Go and saw that they were taking on Harry Potter IP with the Wizards Unite yeah, thing. And they didn't. And that, 
didn't work, right? So the question is, will the NBA work? Yeah, that's such an interesting, interesting point. Uh, the NBA is a very powerful brand and mm -hmm. it, you know, spans kids from four years old to 80 years old. Oh yeah. It's a huge. So, yeah. so I think that it has a lot more power. Um, I wouldn't say more power than Harry Potter. Um, well, with but, it, but I, I think that it's got a very active, you know, it's got a very active installed, I mean, user base for NBA. So to the extent that they play video games, uh, well, they, we know the NBA 2K video games are hugely popular. So I, I think this yeah. has a chance. I really like the idea. Me too. I mean, I'm just, places. it's an open question. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, the, the same thing is true of, you know, the Apple rumors around this week, uh, you know, which are just unrelenting. And I always get to the point where I know I've written this story before. Yeah, like 12 <laughs> times before, right? Uh, but, you know, like Lucy with the football, uh, is it going to get pulled away from you know, Apple watchers and XR nerds. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for me, that's been a, a long time Apple user and culturalist, I guess I would say. I've been involved in many business parts of my life that were tied very closely to Apple. You and I have talked about this a lot. The, the philosophical core of Apple is don't go first, be extremely thoughtful, know where the market fit is uh, before you launch. And uh, that has clearly playing out within the world of VR. I mean, Zuckerberg showed what, now a week or two ago, his three new headset development uh, paths that are really strong and, and starting to you know, say, we see a very, very rich future in this beyond what the Quest can do today. And they're gonna continue to make investment in that. But they've also talked about how the pass-through mixed reality is a really hard challenge. Um, and they're leaning into the video pass-through um, side of things. So we'll see where it goes. There is a new video pass-through game uh, on Quest that I recommend strongly called Skygaze. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it uses the external cameras on the Quest to integrate your surroundings with this uh, stargazing app. Yeah. And um, so the roof of your room opens up and you see the sky. Uh, so it's a pretty, pretty amazing uh, experience. And again, showing the potential of bringing the real world and the virtual world uh, closer together. Yeah, one of the very earliest AR applications on the phone that was a, a hit was the uh, map the sky and see the um, the constellations, right? Yes. And see the uh, yes. Gemini signs and stuff. And that was that was really into the zodiac signs. And that was a really interesting first step. That's now many years ago, right? And uh, it'll be interesting to see where, uh, if, if this really starts to take. I mean, I've been testing a number of different uh, video pass through mixed reality experiences and yep. they they are very intriguing and and they start to really show that there's a future beyond just full full immersion it's kind of you know half and half immersion is a very interesting area to pursue it's nice to see developers in it so did you have you heard of this company a metaverse company called mona we were looking at it. I was I was looking at it based on some of the writings that you were doing and a couple of other folks that, you know, just like you, I get the link sent to me from lots of different sources. Um, so this was pretty new uh, as of a couple of days ago to me. Um, but it's it, it certainly looks like they're taking a really interesting uh, artistic tack on how to bring parts of that blockchain infrastructure and, and that kind of peer to peer value chain into something and they've raised some capital, right? To do it. So. 14.6 million, which yeah. is real money. Last I checked, yeah. uh, even today. Uh, the thing that I thought was interesting, I fooled around with it for 20 minutes or so uh, yesterday when I was writing the story. 
uh, it feels like a video game. Mm -hmm. So you're walking around in spaces that are feel kind of like spatial, mm -hmm. um, but you're navigating it like a video game. And I think a lot of the metaverse is going to feel that way, particularly game metaverses. But here they've um, added this builder element where people can build spaces and sell them. Yeah. So it's not like just selling a 2D thing. You can buy a building or an apartment building and put that building wherever you want, somnium space or you know, some other uh, a platform. If it's small enough, you could put it on right. space or, or VR chat. So I think that's intriguing. Yeah, so there's like an architectural sort of bent to this. They, yeah, I mean, they're trying to, I mean, everybody is trying to capture creators and world builders. Right. They are the big, they are the big content creation asset in this new medium. And yeah. as I've said before, they're going to get bid up, the good ones. Mm -hmm. And if we if we go back to sort of the the bones of these original, uh, what we refer to as, as OG metaverses, Minecraft is probably the perfect example of builders creating yes. worlds and then wanting to share those worlds they tend to live within the bespoke world of minecraft right for but now the concept of the metaverse is is it transportable can i move it from place to place can i take my asset and sell it or, or monetize it or market it in some way or, or if you were doing minecraft in 2d can you do it spatially right there are rumors i don't know whether they've uh, made an official announcement. I don't think so, but rumors about Minecraft really coming to the Quest, yeah. which, which it's very well suited to the Quest. Well, didn't they, they, they did an early experiment um, with mobile VR a while back, and they had it on the HoloLens for a while, but for some reason they didn't continue. I guess not enough uptake on it, not enough worth the resources in, in continuing to develop it. Because I remember seeing in a couple of trade shows pre-COVID, they were demonstrating a, a spatial Minecraft, like a walk around Minecraft sort of experience on the HoloLens. Um, yes, I saw that HoloLens demo yeah. also. And yeah. of course, everybody knows, or if you don't, uh, Minecraft is owned by Microsoft. By Microsoft, right. right. Uh, and Microsoft has done a magnificent job with it. I think it had 3 million or 5 million users, and now it's you know tens of millions of users. So they've, they've grown it considerably. So I see our guest is in the green room, Ted. Quinn okay. Haber is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Immerse that does uh, VR language learning built from the ground up. They raised uh, about $15 million, uh, been around since 2017, and it is a VR first immersive language learning program. Uh, we'll let Quinn talk about it more, but I'm excited about this. I talked to Quinn the other day and I said, you got to come on the show and explain this. So let's bring him in. Okay. Yeah, sort of like the Rosetta Stone of VR language learning, right? Exactly. We can talk about this. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of successful proxies in this space. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Quinn Tabor, what a pleasure. Thanks for coming on this morning. Charlie, such a treat. And Ted, good to meet you. You too. I'm excited to hear about what you're doing and uh, learn about your trajectory. I just started yes. talking about it and I almost did your entire interview. Oh. <laughs> I trust you, man. Go, keep going. I'm very, I'm very on. enthusiastic about this idea. So, um, why don't you tell us about your news and, um, you know, let's let's talk about immerse. I mean, it sounds, uh, you know, Meta is involved with it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll jump right in. We've uh, we've been operating this company for almost five years. Uh, kind of the the inception, the idea for the uh, the startup came when I was actually working as a refugee relief worker in the Middle East and Africa, uh, language being just the like the gateway for employment, for education, for 
visas for people around the world, and particularly English. And the best way to learn a language being through immersion. We started in 2017 going B2B. So being an add-on for large education companies in Japan, Korea, Germany, the Middle East. I quite literally signed contracts with eight of the largest education companies on Earth. But with the news in October, with Facebook becoming meta and the metaverse all of a sudden being in everyone's purview, we asked the question, what really is the future of education in VR? Is it being this add-on, this little supplemental tool that you kind of place in your classroom repertoire that you pull out for an hour a week? Or will the metaverse perhaps like disrupt education from start to, mm-hmm. start to finish? And that in order to do that, we would need to decouple from mm-hmm. these fairly antiquated education companies that are once again using us as like a little add-on, but say, what if all of language learning occurred in our virtual world, start to finish? The- Wait, well, it's a, it's a great category. And I was just telling Ted, there are quite a number of uh, mm-hmm. 2D competitors who have built very, very big, successful businesses. Yeah. Late, lately, we've been hearing a lot about Duolingo, uh, but of course, yeah. Rosetta Stone is sort of the yeah. granddaddy of all at yeah, home the old self-guided yeah. language learning. But here it is, and the fundamental difference is it's not self-guided. It's conversational where you connect people with people. The classes are live, the instructor is real, and you even give people away just to casually practice by meeting up inside of the platform. So it's got this very powerful social element. And I think for somebody who's, you know, what happens with travel learning, of course, and and I'm sure you're, you're aware of this research, where people two or three months before decide I'm going to Italy, holy crap. I need to buy a book on Italian. I need to brush up on how to find the bathroom. So, you know, this is a great solution for that because people can actually simulate that situation, right? Everything you're learning has a context. That's, oh, Charlie, once again, I need to hire you for being our head of, <laughs> head of sales. You've totally got it. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I think that's, that's the really interesting overlap that we spotted early on. When we heard folks talking about the metaverse, they said, it's real time, it's persistent, it's immersive, you can go anywhere, you can be anyone, you can do anything. At the exact same time, that's the exact list that every language professor is looking for. It's to take you out of the flashcards and the rote memorization and to say, hey, the best way to learn Spanish is to go to Mexico City to practice with real native speakers and to do tasks, to get out of the classroom and quite literally go to the the tapas cafe or order a beer and have those real life moments. If anything, what we're seeing, we, we now work with 16 different research partners at universities around the world, is that if you were to do Duolingo, it would take about four or 5,000 hours to learn a second language. If you were to go and actually study abroad in Barcelona, as an example, <laughs> that number gets cut in half. Right. If you were to do it in this fully optimized virtual world where everything, the games, the activities, the tasks are purpose-built for learning, that number gets cut in half again. So it's, it really is kind of redefining the pace at which yeah. we, can, we can immerse in a language. Of course, the, the platform that, that um, people like VictoryX are, um, which is a uh, building metaversities uh, on yeah. Engage. Um, but you have a bespoke platform, right? Yeah. You, you create your own context and situations. So you can do that on Engage too. So why, why build your own platform? 
Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of back to this, this core principle of, okay, are we looking to bring the 2D kind of like Zoom-based lecture into the virtual world, throw your PowerPoint up on the screen, have everyone sit in a circle and listen to the professor? Where for us, we said, hey, what if we built close to 60 different virtual locations that are purpose-built and mm -hmm. optimized for language? So instead of being in the lecture hall, we are going to take you to the, the tapas bar, to the, the hotel lobby, to the airport. And in each of those locations, we've got, we jam pack in these learning activities and games and tasks that our teachers are able to instantly just turn on and use. So, so I sign up for classes and then I have an opportunity to do things independently. Um, yeah. So there's a single player version where I like go into a restaurant and everything's got a label on it or how does that work? Exactly, exactly, yep. And to be totally frank, the, especially the market that we've targeted in Asia, interestingly, most learners, they're kind of over the vocab side. So we definitely have it. If you wanna, if you wanna walk through the, the cafe and pick different things up, oh, how do you say knife? How do you say table? How do you say plate? Mm -hmm. Easy, from a technology side, that's not super hard, but especially for English learners in places like Japan and Korea. These so so how many languages are you doing now? It's a slightly nuanced answer. We launched with Meta, June 23rd, Spanish, targeting the West, US, Canada, UK. If you want to learn English, we already have a list of partners around the globe that are focused on the Japanese market, the Korean market, the, the Middle Eastern market. So if you say, oh, I want to learn English and I'm based in Tokyo, we've got a partner for you. Mm -hmm. So that, that's been and they And they're also in VR? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We do. We have a, a web or a desktop-based experience as well. But from a marketing and kind of- Does the desktop really experience mingle with the VR yep. experience? Yep. Oh yeah, it's all. So if I'm yeah, in VR, getting a Spanish lesson, there could be a person in a headset and a person on a PC uh, inside of the same simulation. Correct. That's exactly it. Wow. So yeah. So you said so you, you said you started you, you were a relief worker and you were in the field doing this stuff. Right. How much of the inspiration was the kind of appified language tools um, that people were using on their phones? that started you on your thought process of there's got to be a better way. This is sort of working, but not fully working. Is that kind of the path that got you there? Ted, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. That's exactly it. So my experience, I really wanted to learn Arabic, which is considered like category four plus. It's mm -hmm. like that in Mandarin that are like yep. the hard ones. <laughs> and I studied in school. I used to kind of go across LA to the one good language institute that taught Arabic, thought I was making a ton of progress. And then you land, in Beirut or in Jordan, I knew nothing. So my experience was then, okay, forget this. I'm gonna move into the refugee slum and actually immerse with people that don't speak English. And within six months, I was conversational. Right. If you dig into the learning science for the last 15 years, that's what everyone said is the case. Like all the stats, all the research point to that, but until the advent of immersion in the metaverse, no one's, no one's even tried to crack the code. Mm. They've always said, Okay, do Duolingo, get your baseline of vocab. And then if you can't just study abroad, save up all your money if you're an international student to come right. to the US for six months and immerse. It'll cost you 50K, but you'll finally learn the language. Yeah, what, we what, really believe you guys are going to change that. What you're hitting on is something that is probably a running theme for a number of years for Charlie and I on this podcast is we talk about the understanding of what we refer to as simulation behavior. 
and spatial yeah. learning, right? We often talk about the industrial uses and the companies that have blossomed around putting you into a simulation using a headset as opposed to actually having to physically go to the place. It's a it's a nearer sort of replacement. There is a lot of a lot of data around training. That seems right. to be for enterprises the sort of killer app where everybody inside of a a company sometimes for soft skills something for sometimes for things mm -hmm. like welding everybody says it's yes please because the benefit is so obvious right oh. and it's measurable businesses like things that are measurable right oh. it, and and you can measure that right a guy learned to use a forklift in 5 hours mm -hmm. instead of 50 hours and didn't have to use rolling stock which is dangerous and usually yeah. being used in a busy place it's expensive to take uh, you know, primary equipment and have train. And also these are jobs often that have high turnover. So you're constantly exactly. training. And so the, the value of that is really demonstrated over and over again. The question here is how does it translate into something that is much more personal and nuanced and, um, you know, can it be measured? Yeah, well, it sounds yeah. like you're already doing it. Do you have yeah, so, so tell us about what you're getting from the English learners in Japan. How yeah, long are it taking them? And yeah. Yeah, yep. So we we allocated a chunk of our early funding to these research partnerships, closed with three of the most prestigious universities just in Japan alone, Cho University, Kansai, and they've done what today is still some of the first, like called the longitudinal research, multi-month, like a, a sample size of greater than 50 to be able to show, hey, let's actually do the like official, what we would think of as the SAT out there, they call it the TOEIC for English proficiency, before and after. And let's compare, compare Great to the traditional idea. class, compare to the Rosetta Stone, and all of the data shows that it's a multiple on your improvement. And I think I really like that you bring up the like, okay, it makes sense if you're training someone on heavy machinery from a risk standpoint, but oftentimes you got to send someone two weeks offsite to this location. You're paying them. It's five grand just to get the certificate. Right. No, I mean, the State I Department's would, uh, language school is famous. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The DLI. We, we did an early test with them, like in 2018. But interestingly, for our user base, especially, and I, I kind of keep referring to like, think of the Japanese or the Korean learner, they know the price tag to learn English. Yeah. And they know that it's in the tens of thousands of dollars. It actually is similar economics. Like, mm -hmm. All right, I have to travel, I have to take six months, I have to save up 40k. Or I can do it in my own time in my living room with this. You know, you could device. really make a market just out of companies that are constantly training workers with other languages. Yeah. I would imagine oil companies do it. Yeah. You know, I could, I, yeah. you know, they're sending somebody to Azerbaijan. You know, yeah. people don't speak English there, so they must have an ongoing need for this. That. Uh, you know, might might be an additional interesting market. So you see, you you know a lot about your Japanese uh, learners. So it mm -hmm. sounds like they're oriented toward professionals. It's it's honestly both. It's the university student yeah. that's looking for that immersion, or it's these enterprises. So oh, right, and you have I contract. guess students in in secondary schools who have to learn uh, mm -hmm. a language mm -hmm. also. Um, is there a way to reach all those secondary schools? Or are you going to depend on Meta to put you fronted? So, I mean, this is the exact sort of app that Meta needs. Yeah. I mean, not everybody is a gamer. So, you know, they need these kinds of uh, diverse, diverse yeah. apps on diverse topics. I don't know if they have anything on language, do they? Or is this the nope. really the That's exclusive fun. one? Wow. Yeah, yeah. 
And that's so how I. So you could have, you could end up attracting a, an audience you're not even anticipating. That's exciting for you. Yeah. So tell us about the economic model. How like how, what does it cost today? You know, for the listeners that are like, wow, yeah. I'd really like to learn a new language in a new way, and I already have a quest, and and you know, how, how do I do this? What is it? Are there different kinds of models for schools versus individuals? How are you kind of running the business right now? Yeah. Yep. So for the first time ever, literally. Oh, we're on the app store, plug in, sign up. It's a one week free trial. You can do three sessions with a teacher. It's 40 minute sessions. And then after that, it's a monthly subscription for $45 and you actually get 12 classes a month. So we're looking at less than $4 per live lesson. Wow. Yeah. If you were to compare to anything else on the market, we actually subsidize it just to get the whole. No, I, I think Meta has proven that people will pay for this. Oh, yeah. No question about it and pay a premium for having live humans. That's certainly the way Supernatural works. And exactly. uh, Beat Saber, if you are using these things for exercise and you are buying the modules, mm -hmm. uh, it, yeah. it, it can get at least as pricey as you are. Yeah. Exactly, yep, yep. And of and course, they... by the way, if you go and buy something like Rosetta Stone, it also is quite expensive. Yeah, by the time you're done with it, it's more than you think to, you know, they, they'll, they'll sort of oh, yeah. pull you in with a low cost. But if you really want to learn, you it's off. Your money. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the secret sauce here is live instructors and other yeah. students and the ability for it to become a social place. Yeah. Um, because yeah. most places where you go and hang out, you know, unless, for example, VR chat, I mean, I make appointments to hang out with people in VR chat, or I go on tours to see different worlds, but I don't go any place to talk to anyone. All those places, those social hangouty places are usually themed, right? This is the manga people. This is the furry people. And they have funny avatars. You know, there's no yeah. place to go and do anything. Oh, I could not agree more. Like if anything, that's what all our VR engineers do. And they've started recruiting their friends to say, hey, instead of just looking at these new scenes that were created or watching a movie on big screen, yeah. let's, go, let's go to this immersive location and do these games together. And we don't even need the teacher. That's the, that's the really exciting part long-term is we're trying to kickstart kind of this virtual economy with teachers at a subsidized price. But already we've had our first users in the last week become friends, grab each other's WhatsApp info mm -hmm. and hang out in our app without a teacher. And say, hey, yeah. let's just let's meet at the cafeteria. Yeah. Let's meet at the, the Ritz Carlton. Right. Well, and that's finish. that's your simulation behavior in provable action, right? So yeah. in the real world, if you're in a Spanish class and you meet some friends, the way you're really going to learn Spanish is not in the class, but going to the cafe and saying, okay, let's actually yeah, exactly. try and talk Spanish. Let's so, do this. Charlie, yeah. you and I need to like start learning. I know. It's just, the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, I could brush up on my Spanish really fast. Because yeah. Because I speak pretty decent Spanish, but my problem is I never do it. Right. So I'm like a perfect candidate to do this three months before my trip to Mexico City. Charlie, honestly, big yes, but it's amazing how many people, once they actually ask that question, they're like, oh yeah, I did spend three years in high school and two years at uni, and I have, I'm pretty rusty. Right, because if, if you don't use it all the time, it really fades. But it's like the good news about yeah. that is that, you know, if you activate yourself, stuff starts coming back to you. Stuff yeah. you yeah. didn't know that you knew starts coming back to you. Those, those strange exactly. memories stored 50 years ago. <laughs> Man, I, I want to nerd out. There's an entire school of knowledge called the emergent language model that we're tapping into because think about it, if it's immersive, it actually, you're triggering even faster. 
if you were just on Zoom with an instructor, the stimuli isn't the same, but if you're feeling like you're in Mexico City at the tapas bar again, looking at all these different kind of contextual things, it's gonna ignite those memories at a far higher efficacy than if you were on Zoom. Yeah, so you're, yeah, of course. you're like 10 steps ahead. <laughs> so Quinn, how many languages do you speak? What, what, if I said, watashi no namai wa tedudes, would you understand what I said? Uh, I would say that sounds cool. I think that might be Japanese. That is Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Arabic and French. Damn Arabic. Arabic and French, got it. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. How, how big have you gotten, Quinn, and how, uh, how many employees do you have at this point? Not uh, including 20, teachers. Yeah, 24 full-time employees. We just closed a $9 million round this spring. Um, and then as for scale, we have, like I said, 16 different research university partners. We work with about 10 major education companies around the world, primarily focused on English teaching. And then our launch, we're seven days in. We've got, I think, 4,200 down loads thus far in seven days and we're, we're finally turning on the marketing kind of spigot on monday so that's where things are really going to start heating up and what is the marketing spig- spigot consist of yeah mostly social media <laughs> we we hired a pretty cool uh pr and ad agency mm-hmm. and they they made some really awesome marketing collateral i'll send it to you guys later uh but that's <laughs> going to be if anything, you'll probably get retargeted shortly on Facebook. <laughs> well, it's a great idea. I won't mind being targeted for this one. Yes. Thanks, Charlie. <laughs> so you had a co-founder, right? Yeah. Yep. So tell, so tell I, me about how you guys came together and how the work is divided up between, you know, the developers yeah, and the teachers and, you know, what kind of yeah. feedback loop do you have going there? So yeah, let's, cool. let's start with the co-founder and go and move from there. Yeah, yep. So I'm, picture this, I'm literally living in a refugee slum in the Middle East in 2017, and I start Skyping a really good pal of mine that is a Unity developer. So we're-, we're So he's the one who, sudden, who is into VR. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, was, I would say I'm definitely an early adopter, but I'm not, I'm not truly technical like he is. Like, he's, he's the guru. So we raise the first little round of capital, build an MVP, and then we have really what I would call almost like a team of four that worked together for two years before we really brought anyone else on. All in Southern California, um, head of product, head of sales, myself, and then this one Unity developer. And then since have brought on about seven other engineers. Workflow-wise, the really interesting element of being an ed tech startup is we really need educational, like almost PhD level experts to be informing everything we're building. So that's always the feedback loop. We so do you our, have people like that on your staff now? Yeah. So we've got a head of teaching with a doctorate and then an entire research department, three different individuals, all of them with either PhDs or masters who have been in the field for 20, 30 years. The one that I'm, I'm really proud of is it's actually probably the first preeminent virtual world researcher focused on language learning back in like the late 90s. Wow. So she had been doing, she'd been conducting research on Second Life, if you guys remember that platform, sure. forever ago. And sure. I reached so out Second to Life, believe it or not, is still relevant. It, it is, it is. I know a lot of folks forget. They think 2006, but it's, it's still going. No, they got um, a million people in there every month. So that ain't bad. That's, that's, that's better than us. You know, they've got a <laughs> massive, massive virtual economy. Surprising uh, yeah. how big yeah. it still is. But, but of course, there's so much competition today. Back in the exactly. 2000s, there weren't many other ga- 3D games that yeah. were, you know, that social. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So she's she's the person that we kind of run everything through. All new feature mm-hmm, ideas, mm-hmm. curriculum. She's the guru. So um, when that, what additional languages are you launching and what what is the product development going to look like for that? Yeah. Yep. So next in line, we're going to really start scaling up our English this fall. And then in the spring, it's interesting. There's a lot of research, but within our market, the next most popular languages are Japanese and then French. <laughs> so a handful of folks want to learn Mandarin, other like German, but especially amongst the gamer community, Japanese is so popular, Yeah, which you could probably infer. It's like, oh, well, it's the anime mix, the VR chat culture. Um, so that'll be this spring. And then the one that we're spending a lot of kind of R&D resources on are asking the questions, how will the rest of Web3 technology, particularly the blockchain, change education in three, five, 10 years? In the same way that we wanted to skate to where the puck is going in 2017 with VR and the metaverse, we're asking, all right, if there's play to earn, will there be learn to earn? If there's smart contracts, will there be smart certificates for <laughs> folks that are finishing these courses? So maybe there's the, something that the keeps your graduates work. coming back and, and earning points after they graduate as sort of exactly. guides or people who promise to hang out a certain number of hours a week socially, um, taking younger sure, learners, sure. you know, mentoring them. I mean, there is, I mean, look, that's putting the cart before the horse, but in success, you could start to implement programs like that. Well, there's that's, a uh, there's exactly a it. there's a success story you can marry to as the sort of road markers along the way to this twilight zone of where we live today, uh, which yeah. is called Phoenix well, University of Phoenix, right? That's essentially started out as a virtual university online in the days where people were like, how are people going to yeah. do this? And yeah. obviously grew to a you know sort of monstrous scale, uh, and now all yeah. universities have a remote component, even pre-COVID, and now literally it's at 100% saturation because of the pandemic, right? So you're you're definitely on to something in terms of now, Mm. where do we go from here? And the idea of connecting all those tenants, like you have, you know, these language experts and these professors and these researchers, connecting that into spatial environments so that people can learn and socialize and move through you know, I mean, it's ultimately what a lot of the promise of virtual reality simulation allows is, as Charlie mentioned, beyond just gaming, when we start to understand the, the mirror world, right? The idea of these yeah. are things we would do in real world environments. And now we can use a technology layer that's more than just a computer screen to achieve it. And you're already seeing uh, efficacy. Yeah. I've, I've, al- I've always said the technology succeeds when it takes what we're already doing and make it, makes it better. So, so this seems to be, you know, an idea mm. whose time has come. And, and I think yeah. it captures a lot of what's great about VR. And it also captures or targets uh, a market that we know has proven to be huge o- over decades yeah. and different technologies. So, you know, That's this one, so this one seems to be set up well. I think your VCs are very wise to support this. Um, so listen, we only have a couple of minutes left together, Quinn. Yeah. So yeah. is, I mean, is there a parting shot we want to take here to, for people to take away Ooh. from this for Immerse? Um, oh, you yeah. know, what are your long, what are the benefits to your longer term students? And um, uh, tell us again where people can find you. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks, Charlie. Yeah, I think I, the, the biggest invite I can give is to say, hey, we're, we're reimagining education at large. 
we're, we're trying to take a very new pioneering path on, once again, not being that add-on for the traditional classroom and not bringing a lecture hall into engage, but reimagining, okay, in 2030, how is education, how is language learning going to look? For us, we're subsidizing it. If I were to send you the five other top tutoring platforms, Lingoda, LearnShip, Italki, to get 12 classes a month, it costs you hundred bucks. It's 45 right now. And then on top of that, for the folks that can start jumping in and building this economy with us, we want them to almost like a DAO feel like they're, they're co-owners with us, which is why mm -hmm. we want to introduce the play to earn, the learn to earn, and at least potentially, because sure. this, I, I really do believe if we can do this well with this unique early adopter now, mm -hmm. It could change the largest education sector being language. Two billion people on earth mm -hmm. are learning language right now. $115 billion a year. It's by far the biggest sector, but we need the early adopters. Yeah. That is so exciting, Quinn. Congrats. Uh, I think you're going to have a, a very, uh, a lot of success uh, on Quest, and I can't wait to follow your progress. Hmm. That's, that's all the show we have today. Quinn, thanks again for coming. Have a great 4th of July weekend, everybody. And we'll look forward to seeing you back here next Friday. Again, you after the fireworks. Enjoy it. Yes, fireworks this weekend. And thanks again to our sponsors, Verbella and Zapper. Uh, have a good weekend, everybody. See you.